సహనావదు సహనౌనత్తు సహవీయంకరవాహై తేజస్వినవధీతమస్తు మా విద్విషావహైషాంతిశాంతి పూర్ణమదూర్ణమిదం పూర్ణ పూర్ణముదూర్ణ్య పూర్ణమాదయ పూర్ణమేవాశిష్యేస్మృతిపురాణాలయంకరుణాలయం నమామి భగవత్పాదం శంకరం లోకశంకరం శంకరం శంకరాచార్యం కేశవం బాదరాయణం సూత్రభాష్యకృతౌ వందే భగవంతౌ పునః పునః ఈశ్వరో గురురాత్మే మూర్తిభేద విభాగినే వ్యోమవ్యాప్తదేహాయ దక్షిణామూర్తీహరి పరమానందం ఉపదేష్టారమీశ్వరం వ్యాపకం సర్వలోకానాం కారణం తం నమామ్యహం అపరోక్షానుభూతిర్వై రోచ్యతే మోక్షసిద్ధయేవ్రయత్నేన the last verses that we studied from verse 17 onwards each verse tayoraikyam prapashyante kim ajnanam atah param what else can we call ignorance but this thereby revealing a fact about our life that there is ignorance that we are born ignorant and this ignorance is no beginning meaning there is no point in time when we say from which time I was ignorant ignorance is no beginning everything has its beginning in ignorance everything has its beginning in ignorance ignorance is no beginning and vedanta says ignorance alone is the cause of everything ignorance alone causes us to do things ignorance first of all causes a desire and before that 
kim agnana matah param. What else is ignorance? Tayorikyam prapashyanti. Prapashyanti, they say, aikyam, the oneness or identity. Here, aikya is not uh, the identity of, of Atma and Brahman. Aikyam is the identification. So two things, even though they are not one, they are seen as one. So problem is, where there are two, we see them as one. Where there is one, we see them as two. Two kinds of problems are there. Where there is one, we see them as two. Whereas Atma and Brahman are one, whereas Brahman, Ishvara is my very self, I see him as different from me. So, we see two where there is one. And Atma is different from body. So there are two, we see them as one. Meaning, see the body as Atma. The problems. So Vedanta identifies this phenomenon as the basic problem in life and only problem in life. Why is it so? We are born with this. We are born with taking as one what in fact is two, we take as one, and what is one, we take as two. Why? That's what it is. Means there is no answer to the question why. Why is one? So this tayoraikyam prabhashyanti, the body is different, and Atma is different. So, Tayo of these two. Aikya <coughs> means oneness, where the oneness is not there. Here, of course, uh, you can even talk about people who think that body is Atma, but here we are talking about ourselves. Kimanyanamataparam. What else can be ignorance? And we do that. We take, just by birth, habitually, take the body as our own self. And all the time judge ourselves based on the body. What the body is, that's what I am. If body is tall, I am tall. Body is short, I am short. So Swamiji says that when there is identification of the body, Every part of the body becomes a problem. Body itself is not a problem. It doesn't have to be a problem. But when I look at the body as myself, then every part of the body from tip to toe becomes a problem. The head becomes a problem. Do I have hair or not? Beginning from there. If I have, what's the density of hair? What's the color of hair? What's the length of etc. etc. Right from there. The eyebrows become a problem. The shape of the nose becomes problem. Shape of lips becomes problems. My stomach becomes problem. Everything becomes a problem. The height can be problem, weight can be problem, everything. So you can imagine how many com- these are all complexes. Then I'm 
I'm fat, I'm lean, I'm dark, I'm fair. This is our conclusion or opinion or complex. And each one of these complex is a source of some stress and strain leading to unhappiness or unsadness. So this is called a complex, which can call the opinion about myself, which arises from identification with what I am not. So gross body I am not, subtle body I am not, sense organs I am not, prana I am not, mind I am not, intellect I am not. Because all of them are drushya, all of them are objects of perception. All of them are in the category of object because all of them are objectified by me. I know them. I am aware of them. I am aware of my body. I am aware of my mind. Now and then. Just as I am aware of a part. In that, in that sense, this body-mind sense are complexes not technically different from a part. In as much as I am the drishta, the subject, and they are the object. <coughs> but we are born with identification, and now this is our exercise. Ishvara has sent us with identification, and now expects us to become free from that identification. Why do you do that first? I don't know. He says, look, I have given you an intellect with which you can think and discriminate and separate. You have given you scriptures, given you teachers, so all infrastructure is given to us. But problem is first given and then the infrastructure for solution is given. <coughs> but we are born with problem, there is no question. Every living being is born with a problem. But other creatures don't have the kind of problem that we have. We have an enhanced degree of self-consciousness. All creatures have some kind of self-consciousness, everybody has. This peacock knows in some way there is peacock. And the birds know that they are birds, and dog knows that there is dog. So dog deals in one way with a dog. Another with peacock, you know. The cat knows it is cat. So it deals with bird in a certain way. It looks at the dog, it runs away. Sees a bird and it, you know. So it knows. It has also some kind of self-awareness. But that self-awareness is not as evolved as much as it is evolved in human beings. So this evolution of self-awareness is evolution, really. So we have a more evolved sense of self-awareness as to who I am. We have to evolve further. Because right now, the awareness I have of myself is the awareness of this lump entity, 
the I identifies with this upadhi. Now I have aware of that. To rise to the awareness of the real I. So we have some time, you know, we have some distance to go. So right now when we use the word I, both these elements are involved. The real I and what is not I, both of them are included in my notion of I. This is called ahankara. What is ahankara? Real I, in which also is joined the non-I. <coughs> the body, sense organs, mind, etc. Bhopami. It's called ahankara. So right now I'm aware of I. But aware of ahankara. And ahankara is necessarily a limited entity. Because ahankara has not only I which is limitless, but the upadhi which is extremely limited. Never, whenever I become aware of myself, I become aware of this ahankara which is a limited entity. Meaning that I always am aware of myself as a limited being. <coughs> not that dogs and cats are not limited, but you don't have that kind of awareness that I am a limited being, you see. A dog doesn't have the awareness that I am a, it knows that I am different from a cat. I am similar to some other dog. But that I am a limited being, that awareness is it has to grow further to have that awareness. So human being is the most evolved creature, but big prices to be paid for the awareness, for the evolution. And as I as I am constantly aware of myself as a limited being, because the identification is habitual. It is not deliberate, it is habitual. Not only that, but I do not even know that the self I am aware of is not my true self. I do not know that the ahankara is not my true self. Therefore, the ahankara, which is the product of the identification of the upadhi, is taken to be my true self. That's where the problem is. Meaning it is like the rector who takes himself to a beggar because of identification with his upadhi, with his costume. If he is aware, he has to grow, evolve to being aware of himself as actor. And that is why this, all that is necessary is to become aware of ourselves of the true nature of I. So in awareness of I that we have right now, the true I also is there. Plus, what is not I also is there. And then Vedanta says that what we need to do is to separate the two in order to become aware of the true nature of true I, or true nature of I. <coughs> so there is why this Atma 
అనాత్మ వివేకం వివేకం ఇన్ సెపరేషన్ సెపరేట్ ఆత్మ ఫ్రమ్ అనాత్మ హవెవర్ ద సెపరేషన్ ఇస్ నాట్ ఇన్ ది ప్రైమరీ సెన్స్ బికాస్ ది వన్నెస్ ఆల్సో ఇస్ నాట్ ఇన్ ప్రైమరీ సెన్స్ ఇట్ ఇస్ నాట్ దట్ ఆత్మ అనాత్మ విల్ బికమ్ జాయిన్ అండ్ బికమ్ వన్ అండ్ లవ్ దే కెనాట్ బికాస్ దే హ్యావ్ డిఫరెంట్ డిగ్రీస్ ఆఫ్ రియాలిటీ అనాత్మ ఇస్ ఎ లోవర్ డిగ్రీ ఆఫ్ రియాలిటీ ఎ వ్యావహారిక రియాలిటీ అండ్ ఆబ్జెక్టివ్ రియాలిటీ ఇట్ ఈస్ చేంజింగ్ దే ఫర్ మిథ్యా ఆత్మ ఐ హెస్ డిఫరెంట్ డిగ్రీ ఆఫ్ రియాలిటీ ఈజ్ వాట్ యూ కాల్ పార్మాటిక్ సత్తా ఈజ్ అబ్సల్యూట్ రియాలిటీ సో థియోరిటికలీ దిస్ నో వే దట్ బోత్ ఆఫ్ దెమ్ కెన్ జాయిన్ ఇఫ్ ఇట్స్ టూ థింగ్స్ ఎంజాయింగ్ సేమ్ డిగ్రీ ఆఫ్ రియాలిటీ అలోన్ కెన్ జాయిన్ అలోన్ కెన్ హ్యావ్ కాంటాక్ట్ సే పార్ట్ కెన్ హ్యావ్ కాంటాక్ట్ విత్ అనదర్ పార్ట్స్ విచ్ ఆర్ సేమ్ కైండ్ ఆఫ్ tangibility what doesn't have contact with space which is of a different class then if some of part joins with the space the space joins with part then a part space so when this fellows is and part space part and space both of them are lumped together but in reality space is not joined with part you know space is not circumscribed by the part space is not limited by the part which is a saving grace however space unfortunately thinks that i am part space that's called the complex that is self judgment space is a complex and part space and class space and this space whatever the the opening the the whatever the aperture may be whatever the cavity may be in which the space is it measures itself by that size of that volume that cavity so that connection is what we call identification or superimposition the space superimposes the limitation of part upon itself and then entertains idea that i am part space meaning that the absolute self part are superimposed upon the space in this case absolute part is being a limited entity is superimposed upon the space and never space entertains a complex that i am a part space only confined to this enclosure in the space <coughs> the space in the enclosure is different from me so moment this space calls that space different from it that's called duality in fact there is no duality from the standpoint of space understand there is duality from the standpoint of what the space takes itself to be 
when the space takes itself a part space, then there is separate a division, development division between another space, a part space or whatever the space is. Duality is division, mutual exclusion. So duality does not mean two. Two need not make duality. When Vedanta says Dvaitam, it means Veda. What is Veda? Anyonya Abhava. Veda means Anyonya Abhava. Mutual exclusion. So Vedantins will typically give example of a part, ghata, and a cloth, pata. Cloth is called pata in Sanskrit. So that's a it's nice rhyming, yeah? So ghata and pata. But someone like Shankaracharya, what else would he have? If you look at his personal belongings, he lives in a hut, you know, which you can see behind there. And he has a pot of water in the hut. So in the morning must be, he must be reaching out to a well. With a rope he will lower the pot, fill the pot, lift it up and bring it here. So the pot also and the rope also there. And then he wears one garment, you know, covers his body. So pata is there. In this house is called Matha. That's another one. Ghatta Pata Matha. That is his word. Ghatta, Pata and Matha. That makes a... That, that only the example of Ghatta Pata Matha. Ghatta Pata Matha. All Vedanta things, you know. So those fellows get really fed up and they, they get lost completely. These Bhakti people, they, they, they forget about Ghatta Pata Matha. But then Vedanin cannot do without Ghatta Paramatha, that is the thing. So Ghatta Kasham, Pata Kasha, Ghatta Kasha, Pata Kasha, Matha Kasha. Space circumscribed by an enclosure. Unfortunately, things that other space in other enclosure is different, and I am different. So there is a there is a Bheda, mutual exclusion. I am not what that is, that is not what I am. So ghatā and pata is definitely not two different entities. This ghatā or part is partness and this one is clockness. So this one does not have clockness. This one does not have partness. So therefore, this one excludes the part because there is no partness here and the part excludes the clock because it doesn't have clockness. Each one excludes the other. So each one limits the other. Because when this part comes to wear a cloth, immediately recognizes that it doesn't have a clothness. This one is clothness, I don't have a clothness. This one only feels that this is partness, I don't have partness. So each one feels a sense of lack, understand? Because you want to have everything. Basically, there is a desire to have everything. But when we are confronted with something which we are not, immediately creates in me a sense of lack, meaning that this will create a sense of limitation. This limits me that I am not that. This one limits this one. I am not this. That is enough. 
to become miserable. So feeling limited is the cause of unhappiness. We become unhappy whenever we find ourselves a limited being. So all our unhappiness is born of a perception of limitedness. Not real limitedness, but a perception of limit. Why? Because one who is limitless takes himself or herself as limited and that's what is causing all the unhappiness. <coughs> but as long as this space thinks that I am confined in this part, there is no way they can ever become free from a sense of limited exclusion. which means excluded. This space was excluded by this, this self is excluded by this, the suffering from being excluded. Radharani Gopanishad says that if you excluded a Brahmana, then he excludes you, and if you exclude this fellow, they exclude you, if you exclude the world, they will exclude you. If you exclude the world, the world rejects you. So, you see, we cannot escape the sense of being excluded as long as the I is confined to this one Upani. Because whatever is outside this Upani, because I see myself confined to this therefore, outside this boundary of the body I am not. Therefore, everything outside this body is different from me and I am different from that. So what that is, I am not. What I am, that is not. So this is called exclusion. This is called duality or veda or exclusion that what you are, I am not. What I am, you are not. No, but basically what you are, I am not. That means immediately you create in me the sense that I am not this, meaning I am lacking or unlimited. So the presence of someone which I consider, who I consider different from me, immediately creates in me a sense of lack. What is smart for not as smart as this, not as intelligent as this, not as wealthy as this, not as good looking as this, whatever. Something or the other. Immediately, as it is, there are a lot of complexes in me. That I am no good, I am this, I am this. And the moment you present yourself before me, some button is pushed. Oh, he is, uh, I am not as tall as this person. This person is more fair than I am. This person is more intelligent than I am. This person is wealthier than I am. Or this person is inferior to me. That is another problem also. To feel that I am superior to somebody might give me some false sense of satisfaction, which is also a false sense only. Because all it needs is my being exposed to somebody else who again I consider superior to me. So this is what ignorance does for no reason. There is no reason for all of this. This poor space doesn't have to feel separate from the other part space because it is one. It is not separate from the total space is all because one is all pervasive. Even when the space thinks that I am part space, it still remains all pervasive space, understand? 
thank God that it doesn't become part space, Baha doesn't become really confined part just by thinking that I am part space. So there is saving grace all right. What is the saving grace? That the space is just to recognize what I am. Simple. Vedanta, that's how the solution Vedanta presents. Because the problem arising from not knowing what I truly am and taking myself to different what I am, so solution is just know what you are. May appear very simple, you know, you are very bhakti in this, 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 that. Says the thing is that bhakti is required for you to come to this point. To have a frame of mind where I have that objectivity of seeing myself separate from this body. So now, you see, imagine what's the problem that we have. When we get separate from frames also, I mean, you know, so White House now, all tears are going, you know, because separation, you know, people are living after eight years, you know, the trucks are there and things are all being packed out and Obama's are... So he describes, you know, how there are all tears and people are, you know, separation and... So when separation of friend is so difficult, what do you talk of separation of his body? I'm most intimately connected with it. So to see separation there is very difficult, understand? Because I am very intimately connected with the body. Therefore, it may not take a very big deal to, for me to recognize that I am separate from my friend, which also is difficult. Separate from myself, so attachment goes. In the world, in the Vedic times, the son, there was great attachment, Atma vai putranamasi. Father says, I am this in this form as a son. So looks upon son in his own self and so much attachment. So attachment to the wealth and attachment to car, attachment to house and attachment to all kinds of things. So even when that distance is difficult, then what you talk of creating distance with this upani. So that's all. All that the actor needs to do is to create distance with his upa, in his costume of beggar and recognize that I am not the beggar. I am separate from the beggar. But because of strong identification, strong attachment, even if you momentarily create a distance, Swami will come back. Next moment they will go identify. Because that, that's called, it is a primary vasana is this. What is vasana? Habitual pattern of thinking. Habit. And so, in a way, I come back to identify with the body. <coughs> so, therefore, we require a certain frame of mind, which is what Pujiswami called objective mind. That's why everything, all preparations are for all the sadhana is for this purpose. This karma yoga, bhakti yoga, pranayama, everything is, has a place. Even Vedanta, all of them have place in giving me a disposition of mind which enables me to be objective, as objective as recognizing that even body also I am not. That I can create a distance even from the body, that this is drishya and I am drishta, this object and I am subject.
Thus Vedanta identifies this as the cause of all the basic problems, all the problems in life. And solution is one. So what is most important is to recognize the cause because what all we feel is the effect. We feel unhappy, we feel sad, sorrowful, all of these are effects. What's the cause? So different people give different causes. And there are there are different sadhanas and different things people do. If you think that you are sad or unhappy because you are not in heaven, then if you go there all your unhappiness will go, then that becomes my goal. Goal is to basically become free from unhappiness. Somebody say, I'll give you, in three days, you know, I'll remove unhappiness, I'll give you a million dollars. If we think that lack of money is making me unhappy, then that becomes my goal. If lack of name, fame, recognition, I think it makes me unhappy, then that becomes, you know, I try that. So we ourselves also are trying constantly, as we understand, to remove the cause of unhappiness. But then it doesn't work because our understanding of what causes my unhappiness is wrong understanding. So all the time I'm trying to solve the real problem by by wrong solutions. <clears throat> so the only solution is this, to recognize the true nature of myself, that I am ever free, I am ever complete, that unhappiness does not even touch me, it cannot even affect me, touch me, it is far away. What is the distance between Atma and Atma, tell me? What is the distance between Atma and Anatma? Infinite distance, because there is no, they, they are not on the same degree of reality. Atma is absolute reality, Anatma is mithya, there is, you know, there is no connection, there is infinite distance. But still they have been lumped together. So this is called ignorance. Kiva jnana param. What else can be ignorance other than this? <coughs> and then the Atma, Anatma, so we were shown the method here of how to recognize that body I am not. The body which I am habitually taking as myself, I have no reason to do that. How can body be myself? Atma Vinishkara, I am partless, I am one, I am changeless. Body has many parts, it's an assembly of many things, it's changing, perishable. How can I be body? Atma Niyamaka, Antaha, Deha Bhakya, Niyamaka. I am Niyamaka, I am ruler. I am within, what is without, it is ruled. Meaning that these two entities have totally contradictory nature, therefore they cannot coexist. Just as darkness cannot coexist with light, so also Anatma cannot coexist with Atma. Because it possesses characteristics that are totally contradictory. So changeless and changing cannot coexist. One and many cannot coexist. The ruler and ruled cannot coexist. Whether inside or outside cannot coexist. 
So therefore, these verses that we study pointed out the nature of Atma and Atma or describe the nature of Atma by pointing out how those characters are totally contradictory and therefore they can never coexist. For some reason, called ignorance, I have given anātmā, the status of ātmā. The mithyā has been given the status of reality. But when I examine anātmā, I realize that it cannot have the status that I am giving. It cannot be the self. It cannot be absolute. So this pointers are given to us. Atma, Jnana, consciousness. The body is inert, is dead. Punya, I'm sacred. This is impure. Prakasaka, I'm the eliminator. Swacha, I'm pure. You are very clean or pure. This body is impure. It is inert. Nitya, he said, Rupa. Anitya, I'm set existence with the nature. Body is anitya, asanmaya. Body is impermanent. It is not asanmaya. Meaning its nature is not to exist. Existence is not nature of body. It appears existing because it is borrowed existence. It doesn't possess existence of its own. Nothing possess exist, possess existence of its own. Just like the moon appears to be shining and bright, but it Brightness of moon is not its inherent brightness, it is some borrowed. So world appears existing, appears shining, appears near, not it possesses its own existence and shining and, and you know, attractiveness. It is borrowed, it reflected. So just as moon only shines in reflected light, so also the world, including the body, etc., shining in reflected existence. Reflected in awareness, reflected attractiveness. What attractiveness this thing has? Once the life goes away, what attractiveness? And so, Bhārya, Bhibhiti, Tasmin, Kāya, Shankarajara says, Yāvat pavano nivasati dehe, Tāvat prachyati kushanam gehe, Gatavati vāyo deha pāyahe, Bhārya As long as this fellow is breathing, so long everybody asks him, how are you doing, what is what, etc. Once the breath leaves him, and then even the wife also now knows what Bhibhya Wife also is not afraid of that. So this is what Vedanta wants to point out to us. Look at the things really for what they are. <coughs> so this ignorance creates the oneness where there is two. Right now, the two are the body and the self. And the body, the self is completely distinct from the body. Body is not where the self is. Like darkness cannot where the light is, the body is not where the self is. But somehow they've been lumped together. So now continuing with the verse number twenty-two.
So verse number 20 told us, Atma Prakashakaha Svachaha Deha Tamasavichare Atma is Prakashakaha. It is illuminator. What is body? Tamasavichare. Body is Tamas means darkness. Atma is consciousness. Illuminator. We will later see that illuminator also is not the true description of Atma. Because sun, sun illumines the whole universe, we say, you know. So sun, S-U-N, sun is the illuminator because he illumines the whole universe. But sun ultimately cannot even be called illuminator. You know who is illuminator? When you add that suffix ar, as we said earlier, he becomes the agent of an action. The driver is agent of the action of driving. Teacher is the agent of the action of teaching. So illuminator is who? Agent of the act of illumination. But is there really any action or activity on the part of sun to illumine? Sun does not illumine anything. Sun just shines. Things get illuminated in presence of the sun, but there is no illuminatoriness of illumination as far as sun is concerned. No act of illumination. Isn't it so? So here this verse is, Atma Prakashaka, the self is illuminated. The body is just to show the contrast. The illuminator is always different from what is illumined. That's why. Not that Atma illumines the body. All you can say is the body gets illumined in the presence of Atma. Ultimately, that's what will be said. Right now we say that I am illuminator, the body is illumined. And the nature of consciousness, body is inner. And the nature of life, body is darkness. <coughs> to the contrast between the two, that these two cannot coexist. And still, we have somehow given them equal reality. param, what else can ignorance be? <clears throat> so a question is asked, nanu atmana prakashagatvam kim namayati? Question is, when you say that Atma is illuminator, in what, what kind of, what do you mean by illuminator of Atma? Sun also illumines. So illuminator, what is you use? Atma Prakashakaha. The verse number 28 said. Prakashaka means what? Illuminator. Prakasha means light. Prakashaka, illuminator. So Atma is illuminator. Body is illumined. Okay. So, moment you use the word illuminator, the other luminaries come to our mind. The sun also is illuminator. Fire also is illuminator. Moon also is illuminator. Atma also is illuminator. You follow? Because we know what illuminator is. We know sun is illuminator, moon is illuminator, fire is illuminator, and illumines the objects of the body. 
Atma also eliminated. So when you say eliminated, Atma is eliminated. Is Atma an eliminator? In the man, that sun is an eliminator. Or moon is eliminator. Or fire is eliminator. No, why not? I am not questioning the word eliminator. Right now we take them as eliminators. So Atma eliminates, you know, Anatma and everything. Sun eliminates, moon also eliminates, fire also eliminates. They are called luminaries, they eliminate. Lightning eliminates, stars eliminate, they are called luminaries, they eliminate. So Atma also eliminates. Now this is contemplating over eliminator. Further clarifying the idea of eliminator. The sun and moon also are eliminators. And Atma also is eliminated. Are they eliminators of the same type? Or is Atma a different kind of eliminator than sun and moon? Or Atma is the same kind of eliminator as sun and moon? It's a question here. <coughs> so, no, Atmana Prakashakatmam Kim Nama. What do you mean that Atma is eliminated? So, answer is given the verse number 22, it is says here. Atmanastat prakashatvam yatpadarthavabhasanam nadnyadi deepte vadnipte bhavatyandhyam yato Atmana tat prakashatvam. Understand that tat prakashatvam, the illuminatorness of the Atma, is to be understood this way. So when we use the word illuminator, since these words are used in our day-to-day language also, therefore all these words have a meaning to us. And when these words are, because what happens is, the scripture also has to communicate to us in the same words with which we are familiar. Scripture also should use familiar words. If the unfamiliar word, then communication cannot take place. So, whatever language we have, in that language anybody is to communicate to us, including the Shastra, scripture also. So if they use some word, Kaprakarata, some something, you know, then you don't know what it is. Kakabhavan, some such word, then you don't know what it is. So even if that word is, you know, right, we don't understand the word, then the communication doesn't take place. Now what happens with the words is, we already have a connotation of the word, because these words are all used in our day-to-day communication. So that each one of these words has a meaning to us, and when we hear that word, automatically we will interpret that word in the meaning that we understand. But at the same time, every word that we know always is in a relative sense. So satyam we know, truth we know, but it is relative to false. We know the word truth. So when the word of truth is uttered, 
immediately the understanding of what is is what truth is that which is opposed to false isn't it right is that which is opposed to wrong dharma is that which is opposed to adharma punya is that opposed to papa you follow this Meaning that a word is always a meaning that we understand is always in a relative sense, in relation to something. Satyam is understood in relation to asatyam. That word truth is understood in relation to false. And right is understood in relation to wrong. Now suppose Upanishad says satyam jnana anandam brahma. Brahma also, Gnana, what is knowledge for us? Opposed to ignorance. What is truth? Opposed to false. What is infinite? Opposed to finite. So Upanishad says, Satyam, Jnanam, Anandam, Brahma. Brahman is truth, knowledge, infinite. So Brahman is not false. Brahman is not ignorance. Brahman is not limited. So then Brahman is opposed to what is false, Brahman is opposed to what is ignorance, Brahman is opposed to what is limited. Truth, knowledge, infinite. So we understand knowledge is what? That opposed to ignorance. Truth is that which opposed to false. Infinite is what opposed to finite. So then Brahman becomes opposed to what it is not, you follow? That's the kind of concept of God that everybody others have. That God is opposed to evil. So is that the kind of God we are talking about? So it says Atma is illuminated. Then you know what illuminator is? The sun illumines, the moon illumines, sun is an illuminator, moon is an illuminator. Fire is an illuminator, so Atma also is an illuminator. But all the illuminators that we know are all limited. Opposed to something. The sun is an illuminator that is opposed to darkness, you follow? The light of sun, the illumination of sun is what? Something that is opposed to darkness. Therefore, we would imagine that the illumination that Atma is also is opposed to darkness or ignorance. Makes sense. That's how it is, not so. Atma is knowledge, they were opposed to ignorance. Atma is truth, they were opposed to false. Vedanta says no. So that is why Vedanta wants us to understand this word. That's why you know, the words have to be again, as our Swami would put, they are loaded, you know, meaning that. You have to understand not just the vachyata or the literal or the, or the familiar meaning of the word, but the word should be understood in the sense in which it is used by the scripture, by the Shruti. So that is where all Bhashyakaras are commentators and teachers of this job to do. To explain, the true meaning of the word, the meaning, the meaning intended by the Shruti. 
is called tatparya. In Sanskrit, there is tatparya. Tatparya is purport. Intended meaning. So sometimes intended meaning may not be just grammatical meaning or literal meaning. Intended meaning can be somewhat different from the familiar meaning. Then why should Shruti use the word? Why should Shruti mean scripture use that word which doesn't mean in literal sense because it doesn't have any other word? The word that the Shruti uses are the words with which we are familiar. And words which we are familiar, each one of them has always a concept. There is a concept associated with every word. With the word pot, the concept of potness is associated. Every word denotes a concept. And we have a concept with reference to every word. That's how we are, we are grown. So even when they use word Brahman, some concept is created in our mind. But Satyam, some concept is created. Jnanam, some concept is created. So what the Shruti has to do is use the word Satyam and then use some other word so that the satyam remains and concept goes away. But every concept is limited. So if Brahman is satyam, jnanam, etc., then we will understand Brahman only as a limited entity because each one of these words, satyam, or not truth, or knowledge, each one of them always expresses a, a limited concept. So how to communicate that, which is not limited, through the words which always represent a limited concept. You follow? So that's why he said, Yato vacho anivatande aprapyamanasasaha. So what is Brahman? What is truth? That from which the words along with concepts, because word and concept go together. Manas means the thought or the concept. So word and concept always go together, by the way. Moment the word pot is uttered, you create a concept in the mind. That's the, that's the power that the word has. The word is a power. What's the power? To create a corresponding meaning or a concept in our mind. Therefore, that from which Words along with the meaning of the concept of thought. So, they, without reaching them, they return. Meaning that neither the word nor the thought of the concept can really describe what Brahman is, what Satyam is, what truth is, what Ishwara So, cannot, or, or Atma is. And still, the Shruti herself says that from which the word and the meaning they return without reaching which, meaning the word and meaning do not have the scope of really explaining or describing, and still they use words only. So that is where the difficulty is. So use words and help you to become free from the meaning of the word. Look at that. So word is used. Say concept is created and then use other words or use it in such a manner that the concept, the limitedness goes away and the true meaning 
science in your mind. <coughs> that's what Shruti has to do. Oh, that's what the teachers have to do. Like the Bhashyakara, the commentators. Their basic role is to explain Tatparya, the purport of the word. Otherwise, we also can read Upanishad. What's the big deal? I mean, they're all Sanskrit language and then, you know, the people do that, then the grammar is known, so you can understand that. But important is not the grammatical meaning, the purport, Tatparya intended meaning. <coughs> so here the author says the earlier verse, number 28, use the word Prakashaka. That Atma is illuminator. So what kind of illuminator Atma is? Or oh, what's the nature of illuminatorness or illuminatorship of the Atma? Is the same illuminatorship that sun and moon have? Or does it have different illuminatorship? You know? So Atmana Tat Prakashatvam. That Atma is illuminator, Atma is Prakash, Atma is a light. Both the understanding in this manner. What? Kimtar. In what manner should we understand that? So, yat padartha avhasanam. Yat padartha avhasanam. Ghatapadari vastu vishaya prakasha. Meaning that, yes, atma illumines. Everything shines in light of atma. The whole universe also shines in the light of atma. Light of consciousness. <coughs> How does it happen? That we have said earlier. See how Atma or consciousness illumines everything. Is Atma or consciousness first illumines the buddhi or ahankara, aham buddhi. So the light of Atma reflected in aham buddhi makes aham buddhi or ahankara enlivened. That ahangvritti in turn enlivens the buddhi or the intellect. The buddhi intellect in turn enlivens the mind. So we're slowly coming down from the subtle to, to inward to the outward or subtle to the gross. The mind in turn illumines the sense organs and sense organs illumine the body. That's how Vedanta explains the illumination proceeds. You know why? Because when you fall asleep, it does a reverse thing. First, illumination of body goes, so you become unaware of the body. Sense organs go, you become unaware of them. Illumination of mind goes, become aware of them. Illumination of hankara also goes, where? In deep sleep state. So that is how illumination spreads, Illumination context. <coughs> so there is the Atma, which is consciousness, illumines this whole Ankara, Buddhi, Manaha, Indriyani, Shariram. So the ego and the intellect and the mind and the sense organs, body, and all the external, all of these are illumined by Atma. So Atma first illumines the Ankara, the mind, sense organs, and sense organs in turn illumine their respective objects. So right now you are able to listen to these words. That is because your organ of hearing is illuminating these words. 
He will to see me. Because your eyes are illuminating this color and form. That's called illumination. Because if they don't illuminate, then, then there is darkness. See, if your ears are plugged, this darkness as far as sound is concerned, because sound is not illumined for you. Eyes are closed, then colors and forms are not illumined. And there is darkness with reference to that. Therefore, these sense organs remove the darkness around an object. Because if your eyes are closed, then you can say there is part is covered by darkness. Eyes are open, then eyes remove the darkness and illumine the spot. If ears are plugged, then the sounds are all, uh, you know, removed from you by the darkness of ignorance, and the organ of hearing removes that ignorance, illumines the sound. Thus, organs of perception illumine the respective objects. The illumination is called devata. So, devata deva. That's the reason why. In Vedanta often the sense of the called devatas. Who is deva? Devatana deva. Deva means the shining one. Deva means deity god or shining one. So they are all shining ones because they illumine their respective objects. So objects of the world are illumined by the corresponding sense organs. But sense organ in turn is illumined by the mind. And the mind in turn is illumined by consciousness. You follow? That is how consciousness illumines the whole universe. <coughs> so yes, so this is called the illumination of consciousness. Yet padartha vasanam, it is illumination of padartha, of all the objects. <coughs> So this is something known to us, okay. But just as it's okay, that the sun illumines also the objects, the moon also illumines objects at night, sun during the day, so Atma also illumines. But he says, no, the illuminatorness of the Atma is not similar to the illuminatorness of the sun and the moon. It's a different kind of illuminator. No, Gnyanadi Dipti was Dipti. Bhavati. The Dipti or the light of Atma is not the light of sun. So sometimes when you use the word light, people take it as a literal light. So there are people who ask you to meditate upon light. There's a whole system there. But they give you. There's, when you meditate in this dark room, then there's a light there, a red light. And you meditate upon that. When you see the red light in the mind, then you realize Atma, or something like that. So, what light also is, is known to us. So, Atma is the nature of light when they say that we imagine it's light of sun, or light of moon, light of fire, some kind of light like that of the same class. So, he is light of Atma. Same class as light of sun and moon? It says, no, it is of a different class. And what is that class? We will, I think, continue in the next class here. So in what way the light of Atma is different from the light of sun and moon? The second line tells us we will continue. <coughs>